Hi, this is Nicholas Vince, and you're listening to Geeks of the Industry. And why wouldn't you? It's a very sensible thing to do. Ladies and gentlemen, you're about to witness some scenes from the next attraction to play this. This picture, truly one of the most unusual ever filmed, contains scenes which under no circumstances should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily a... We urgently recommend that if you are such a person or the parent of a young or impressionable child now in attendance, that you and the child leave the auditorium for the next... Features, a horror discussion from Geeks of the Industry.com, and now your host, Chunky Larry. Greetings, fellow insomniacs, and welcome to a very special episode of the Creature Features podcast on GeeksOfTheIndustry.com. I am your host, of course. My name is Chunky Larry, and uh, I know I've been saying a uh, special episode of the show quite a bit lately, and that's because it is Halloween, and I try to, you know, up the ante uh, for this month. Uh, again, it's a special month to me, so I try to just, you know, go balls out and get as much good bit into the month as I possibly can, and this is about as good as it probably is going to get, at least to me. Um this week, or in this episode, because there's going to be more than one episode this week, uh, I had the sincere pleasure and honor of being able to speak with Denise Duff, the star of the subspecies 2, 3, and 4. We have a really fun conversation. Normally, I would introduce uh, my guest, but uh, I just kind of called an audible because we started doing kind of pre-show banter that felt more like show banter. Uh, so that's what's going to happen. I, I'm going to stop talking and it will lead kind of seamlessly into my conversation with the very wonderful and talented, uh, one of my earliest crushes too, by the way, I did not mention that because I did not have the guts to say it, but, uh, she's amazing. Uh, just as amazing as I hope that she would be. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a pleasure for me, Miss Denise Duff on Creature Features on geeksoftheindustry.com. This is this is neither here nor there, but one of my favorite things is when actors swear. <laughs> uh, uh, 
and I feel like Gosh. that's that's like my my uh, middle school uh, reaction, just like oh, they said a swear, <laughs> but uh, right, right, I'm, I'm a big fan. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that was my um when I uh, I had a screen test that I had to do for the soap opera The Young and Restless, mm. and I I wound up getting it, and I had a uh, a year and a half contract on it, but when I did my scene, uh, there were like 16 of us girls that were screen testing. And I was like the third to the last. And so I had been in my dressing room and there was a TV monitor in each room and you were able to see the other actresses. And and so I was just watching them and I was kind of making my own mental notes of like, Oh, she's not really a mother. I can see it. She's sort of phoning it in or, Oh, that was cool. That was kind of an ugly cry right there. She, you know, a little too much snot, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, Anyway, and then, so then I, I do the scene and Jeannie Cooper is in it who plays Mrs. Chancellor and, um, and it just was, it went so well and it was so fun to just hit all these emotions very effortlessly. And soon as the, it ends, the camera does this zoom in on you. And I knew that because I've been watching the other girls. Yeah. And so you just sort of hold that dramatic soap opera moment as the camera comes in and I gave it enough beats. And then I just sort of turned to the side with this big smile and I went, that was so fucking fun. <laughs> and uh, and the, the directors are up in the booth and they, he came down and one of my best friends, Michelle Stafford was on the soap at the time playing Phyllis. And she's got quite the truck driver mouth as well. And uh, so they had literally just found out that we were friends. And when he came down, he went, ah, a definite friend of Stafford's I see here. And and then the next thing he said is, so what is this thing I hear about a vampire? (laughs) And uh, we chatted about, you know, subspecies. And then I went home and that was a Friday. And then Monday I got the call that I got it. But uh, yes, I I love that, you know, the F word segued into vampires. And uh, and that that was the most memorable part of my soap opera audition. (laughs) I tell you, man, there's there's something refreshing about somebody that doesn't doesn't play it too close to the vest. That's just that's themselves at all times, and um, that's that's one of the things that I've noticed kind of about you, uh, just by you know doing my finger quote research, um, which is basically uh-huh. watching your live videos and and just kind of seeing who you are as a person. And it's so, it's so fucking admirable to me that you're just like, no, this is who I am, man. I don't, I don't have to fake the funk or anything like that. I, I am Denise. If you look at my name in a certain way, you could say it's D nice. And that's, you know, that's one of the just charming things. And, and there's, there's Aww. gotta be, you know, part of that has to have something to do with the fact that, you know, you've, you've done the, you've done the time, you've done, the work you've you know you've fought to get those parts and you you've gone those places but it's it's less about you know putting on an act and um i i watched uh one of your videos uh one of your live streams when you were you know showing like kind of what it what it means to do makeup and to not do too much and you were you know doing the eyelashes and stuff and i was just like this is so fucking cool because it's (laughs) it's again you know uh, i feel like 
especially with actresses, there's almost this this mystery that they feel they have to convey. And right. there's none of that with you. You're just like, no, nah, man, this is who I am. I have to do this stupid shit in the morning and tack these eyebrow, uh, eyelashes on and, you know, it's pain in the ass. And, honey, can you get me my, my mirror? <laughs> it's just like, uh, you know, that's that's refreshing because... I, you know, you, you can, you can read fake, you know what I mean? You, you can, you can smell bullshit a mile away. And when, when somebody is not that thing, it's, it's almost ultimately, you know, you can become kind of Teflon. You can get away with anything because you're just being you and you're not, you're not being malicious. You're just, this is how I see this. And there's there's something rewarding about that. I, I do feel that, um, I mean, obviously, I, you know, social media is such a powerful thing. I mean, it's, it's really just, it's like the TV and the telephone times a gajillion, right? Mm-hmm. Like we used to just call our grandparents and we'd go, hi, Nana, how are you doing? Yeah, I got an A on my test. Now, in one click, we can show her our test and we can show 50 gajillion other people our test, you know? And so I just feel that it's, it, it's nothing new in the sense that we've always communicated and shared our lives, mm-hmm. but now it's just, it's in a, a real, you know, uh, it, it's just a, a bigger, faster, broader audience. And I, and I definitely feel um, the idea of know your audience, which I, I, I don't feel a lot of people take into consideration or have that responsibility. Like I really feel a responsibility when, with my Facebook page and, and early on, like seven, eight years ago when, when not as many of my friends were on Facebook or it wasn't so huge as it is now. Um, I was like right in there. I'm like, Oh, this is made for me, you know? And, um, like I was the girl on a film set who would spend more time walking around and talking to the crew and finding out about their lives than hanging in the hair and makeup trailer, perfecting my hair. I'm like, my hair's fucking fine. You know, like now I want to meet the people on this crew who I'm only going to have two days with. Absolutely. And so Facebook, and, right. Well, and, one of the things Facebook that you did, did well, uh, sorry yeah. to cut you off, but one of the things no, I, 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 I was again, watching kind of older clips and uh, there was this, there's an entertainment tonight special on B movie actresses. And one of the things that really stuck out to me, is you, you know, you're on entertainment tonight and you're just like, yeah, I have a website so I can interact with my fans and say, Hey, am I doing okay? Is this all right? And that's, that's (laughs) still what you're doing. And it's just, there's something really just charming about that. That's so funny that that was like, and do you know that on that clip, um, the entertainment tonight host, that guy, da, 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 da. He said, Denise has got so much fangdemonium. She even has her own website. Yeah. And that phrase is like, I love that I got to have that phrase as part of my history because, you know, now every mailman has, you know, it's it just that it was so, it was such an early time. And, and it's true that in the, the world of genre films, there was a, a lot more of that interaction. Like I'm, I'm sure I had a website before Julia Roberts, you know, more than not likely. that she was, you know, right. It's like the fame on a big scale wasn't so much the, the factor of it. It was the, um, the community and how you chose to communicate. And, and that to me was a, a big part of genre films was that 
you know, there aren't conventions for romantic love story movies, but there are conventions for horror films, Mm -hmm. you know? And so when this whole internet thing came out, I was like, oh, this is super fun. It's kind of like in between conventions, I can stay connected. And yes, so I have taken it to a, uh, a, a wider level, but I had, I had some of my, um, my daughter's friends, these, you know, teenagers back eight, nine years ago say, Hey, Denise, I mean, when you post something, people always like it. They always say something. So why don't you post, just do a butt dial, like just post like a few numbers and some letter and, and I'll bet you'll get like 200 likes. And, uh, and I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, I really take my social media seriously in the fact that if it's not genuine, I, I feel like an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be doing something just for the sake of going, look, even when I do something stupid, people like it. Like that's just mean, you know? It's, it's, so, it's almost kind of self-congratulatory. You know what I mean? That's exactly but, what it is. That's exactly what it is. But there, there is, so. there is a contingency of people that are that way. And again, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things you can smell bullshit a mile away and yeah. everybody does, but there's, there's this weird thing that I, I feel, especially with social media, uh, where we, we feel this, this obligation to adore people just blindly. And, and I look at like celebrities that have these really salacious crimes, like an R. Kelly, where people still listen to his music, even though he's a fucking monster. You know, and oh yeah, the, so there's there's this weird disconnect, and you know there's there's just something again, just super refreshing when you see somebody that's not a monster. You know, I mean, you you played a monster, <laughs> but you you're not. Oh, I you know, You're you're one of, and again, I I feel like this is true with a lot of uh, genre actors, and uh, specifically within. Uh, the horror, you know, genre that they're some of the nicest people you'll ever meet. And I've, I've done the conventions Mm -hmm. and again, you, you, you can smell who's, who's genuine and who isn't. And right. You, you get a gauge of, you know, people when you speak to them for any inkling of time, whether or not they're, you know, the real deal or not. And, there's very few people that I've interacted with celebrity wise, uh, via this show where I'm just like, oh, they don't even care that they're here. <laughs> and I've, uh, I've, I've encountered few, it. Said, right. Very few. Very uh-huh. few. I've encountered it, but yeah. you know, more often than not, you know, especially when people are just genuinely happy that, you know, it's like, oh shit! I made that movie thirty years ago. I, I'm surprised that people still care. And <laughs> I know, <laughs> but but that is the thing. I I really feel, and and you talked about it a bit with with social media and being able to use these tools to stay connected with fans, so they feel less like fans and more like family. And uh, yeah. family is a word that's thrown around a lot, but. You know, you, you see people like yourself, like CJ Graham. CJ Graham is a, a perfect example of somebody that will remember a person's name and then see them and say, Oh, hey, so and so and, and remember when yeah. they saw them. And there's, there's something again, 
that just takes it to a different level. And, and that's mm-hmm. something you absolutely do. And I, and I've seen you do it. I've seen you do it interacting with people. Uh, you, you know, remember interactions that you've had and, you know, there are some oh, people oh, yeah. are, like I've, I've had people on my show and I'll talk to them and they're like, I did your show. It's like, fucking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like we had an hour long conversation. You don't remember having it out. Oh, Whatever. <laughs> uh, too much, too much booze. I think. I think they had too much booze. That's... You know. <laughs> you know. No comment. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so, well, what what was the last convention that you have attended? I uh, just went to Sinister Creature Con uh, this past weekend. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. You know, who who was who was fun? Who was fun there? Uh, my uh, my favorites were uh, Kim Foray from Dawn of the Dead and C.J. Graham. C.J. Graham, uh, again, like I said, he got up. He remembered that we did an interview. He slaps his big, massive hand on my shoulder and like grabs me by the throat, and it's just Aww. like you know. <laughs> In any other uh... situation, I'd be calling the cops, but this this lovable mountain oh, of a man. What? You know, he's just like, hey, buddy. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the, again, you... you No, it's, it's true camaraderie and collaboration, and it's, it's something that everybody wants to have. And, and you know, being able to, to do something in, in film or TV kind of just put, puts you quickly into this sort of public eye where, where you get to play. And I, and I think I, I found that deep down everybody would love to have their moment creating something. And I, uh, you know, having done the, um, you know, doing genre films and the fans, and, and I have a lot of, obviously a lot of actor friends that have not really done this kind of genre. And they'll say like, Oh, be careful. You know, and this was early on when I, you know, put my website or would go to conventions and they were always like, be careful. Oh, you're flying out there by yourself. And I'm like, you know what? They are some of the most respected, well-read, um, genuinely interested in the art form people I've ever met. They're not coming there because they're like, I'm going to have sex with every fucking actress there. No, they have a different <laughs> convention for that. You know? I mean, heck. They not usually take I place like, in Las know. Vegas. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And that, that it's like. The fans that I meet, they fucking get nervous to shake my hand, yep. much less, like, take me into a hotel, you know. And so it's like I never have to worry about that. And and all it is, and I would learn so much more because I, you know, I, I, I wasn't as deep of a fan of, of horror and sci-fi sort of genre growing up necessarily. I was a little, a little bit more, you know, bewitched and I dream a genie. Mm-hmm. And uh um, but I, you know, I did have my favorites, you know, I was a, a definitely a fan of The Exorcist and definitely a fan of, of anything Karen Black did and definitely a huge Twilight Zone fan. And um, so, but I learned more from going to these conventions and I would see and, 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 you know, go and have, you know, lunch or whatever, a drink, even though I don't drink, I'd go have a freaking soda and the, to hear what they would pull out of the films that I did and what they got from it. And, and it really just inspired me to, to say yes to another script, you know, or to, to continue to go to another convention. And because you just, it, it does, it becomes this family and, and it's more than just like, oh, I just want to walk up to you because you're sort of famous or something. It's yeah. no, you, 
you created a piece of, of art that helped me when I was just, you know, bummed out or my boyfriend left me or my parents didn't understand or I had to get my tonsils out or, you know, and I was, the weather was bad and I watched all of them in a row. And, and it's, it's really sweet to touch people so far away. And, and now with social media, it, it's world's become smaller. So hence you and I chatting it up here. Uh, well, I, I'd had Ted on uh, last week. And uh, one of the things that I had talked to him about was, you know, the strength of what Charlie and Full Moon were doing, you know, in the in the sense that, you know, reaching people in a way that you don't necessarily get the opportunity to, to with a theatrical release. With, you know, it's much easier for somebody to plop down a couple of bucks at a video store and then take a movie home with them and put it in their house. You know, when you're, when you're in the home with someone, it's, it's much more of a kind of a personal relationship that's created. Uh, you, obviously you guys aren't a party to that situation, but Full Moon did, did things in a way that just always really worked to me, specifically like the, the video zone stuff where you, yeah. you get, much more and it and it predates the dvd special it predates features. all the that's right and that's right they very ahead of his time and it and it again you know it's it's building these relationships with the audience to where they're mm -hmm. they're willing to come back again and again and again because again it, it's you know it's no it's not a real chance that you're taking where when you go to the movie theaters, you're spending an arm and a leg just to get into the theater, and then God forbid you want to eat something, <laughs> so you know <laughs> you gotta use another paycheck. <laughs> you, you gotta unload a vein into the bloodstone, and you know then then you're That's woozy right. That's and you're right. you're sipping your soda, you're about to pass out, and the movie starts and it sucks. That's frustrating. Uh -huh. uh, so <laughs> you know it's it's one of those things uh, that. Just as it's it's very interesting to me that you know you worked with a company like Full Moon, and one of the things that really stands out to me is your willingness to kind of want to reach out to audiences. And it just I, I'm going to go back uh, a little bit because I have to ask cliche questions. It's just it's just kind of go the nature of the beast. Well, um, I'm, I'd rather you ask cliche questions. You're, you've been saying so many lovely things about me that I wish my mother was here listening about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure yes, you're like, Michael, he's saying nice things. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but, uh, All right. Shoot, shoot. Lay it on me. Going to NYU, was was it always kind of in your back pocket that you wanted to pursue acting i mean you went you did some theater you did photography um you did some directing as well correct yes yes so in your mind when you're when you're in college and you're you're doing all of this studying is the ultimate goal for you to be julia the next julia roberts or the first denise stuff you know it, it it's interesting because i i um i sort of realized more recently that i I really didn't feel that I should go and pursue necessarily an acting career because like I had good grades. And, and even though I was living in LA, I thought um, I should do something more noble, you know, like I had a full scholarship to UCLA and I went and I studied engineering and 
But after that first year, I realized that none of my classmates got my jokes. They didn't get me. And, um, and I realized that whatever I do for a living, I have to really feel connected with my quote unquote coworkers. And so I applied to NYU, but again, I was still sort of kind of, I mean, I guess sort of nervous or wimpy to say, I'm going to go and be an actress, you know, mm-hmm. even though, yeah, like deep down, um, I, I, I was very comfortable in front of strangers talking stories, right? And that's very much an actor's thing. And so I applied to NYU, but I didn't go, they have five different schools within the, the, um, the theatrical department. And three of three, three or four of them are strictly acting. And, um, and then one of them is called Playwrights Horizons. And that was meant more for directors. And so I was in class um, with people that wanted to venture more toward directing. And one of my, uh, one of my classmates who, for the, the whole year, we would uh, use each other in our acting scenes, um, and he was brilliant, and his name uh, is, was Bennett Miller, mm-hmm. is Bennett Miller. And Bennett Miller is going on to win um, an Academy Award for directing the movie Capote in oh, 2005, wow. and then he directed Moneyball, and, um, uh, and then he was, uh, let's see, um, yes, yeah, so two times he'd been nominated for Best Director. Um, so, and it's funny cause I, I touch with him. And then when the, uh, in 2005, when I was watching the Academy Awards and they're like Capote by Bennett Miller, I'm like Bennett Miller. And I quick went online. I'm like, yeah, from the Marinac. Oh my gosh. Um, and so I was in, I was in a class with like, we, we all were more director oriented, but there was this little part of me that still really, um, enjoyed being in the front of the camera and displaying the human condition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but I also did take a photography class and that wasn't even easy because you, uh, the film, the, the photography classes were at NYU at the time, and I'm sure still are, were only for film majors. So if you were a film major, you could take photography. But since I was in the theater department, I, um, photography was not on my curriculum. And so during registration week, every day I would go and visit the teacher and I'd bring him like a candy bar or whatever they were giving away free on campus that day. And I'd bring him one and, and chat him up. And at the end of registration week, he said that no girls had uh, signed up for the class and that he was going to let me in because he needed female energy. And so I had uh, um, I got to, you know, study photography, black black and white photography with full use of the dark room. So I was in the dark room and me and a bunch of dudes in a dark room. Hello. It's a good thing I have epi- <laughs> epi- epi- That's that epi- female epi- energy right there. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> they they puff their chest out. They're energy. really working on their stuff. <laughs> I know. I know. Look at how good my composition so- is, Denise. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, the smell of hypo liquid. So, you know, and that was just super cool to, you know, to just be around all these, like, that was really sort of the first, like, tech geek guys, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, being in the dark room, working on developing film. And um, I I love that. And there weren't enough women doing that and I had such a passion for it and so it was really kind of special to be in that world with the dudes 
And, um, but again, I still wasn't fully committing to the acting part. Um, I finished, uh, you know, the time that I had allotted myself for NYU. I went to Rome, no, well, well, Milan, and I modeled for the summer when I graduated. And so I went to Milan, did some of that, got that out of my system, and then went back to L.A. and got a waitressing job and started working with a photographer as his assistant and makeup artist. And I think after I delivered my first set of proof sheets to an agent, they wanted to represent me as an actress. And that kind of started it. It was like, okay, well, sure, that was easy. You know, like if you live in L.A. and you have any desire or, you know, at all to be interested in the business and you're you're not shy and um, you should try it because it's very expensive to live in L.A. and the freeways are awful and there's many other places someone can live. So if you're going to live in L.A., uh, you should take your hand it somehow in the entertainment industry. And you, so, as you so said, I, you already yeah. had kind of that skill set. So it, yeah. you, you worked there you are within the theater, so you, you had a rudimentary, rudimentary sense of what it meant to perform, but it wasn't necessarily your main draw. Your main draw, at least from my you know takeaway, is photography and creating art. I, I really liked creating it, mm. you know, and um, and so many years later, it, well, and then I then, you know, I, I was on a soap for a bit and did guest starring roles on from, you know, early shows like Matlock and and Reasonable Doubts with Marley Matlin and Mark Harmon. That was just before he did um, NCIS. He was on a show called Reasonable Doubts mm. and I had a nice, nice role on that and and Northern Exposure, you know, I got to be on that with John Corbett and Silk Stockings, um, one of my all-time faves. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I used so to, I, I, I used I, to love USA shows. I, I was a sucker for Silk Stockings. I saw you were on it. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> did you ever see the episode? I haven't. I'm actually gonna go uh, uh, into the. Uh, how can you? Is there a way to see it? There's, I believe, you can see the old uh, Silk Stocking episodes on Amazon. So I'm gonna fire up my uh, my Prime. And uh, hopefully. Oh my gosh. But that's funny. Yeah. yeah. It's it's definitely well, uh it's on the to do list because like I said that that was my show back in the day. I'm sure I've seen the episode, but not recently. Uh, it, it auditioned for many of them until I finally got one. Same thing with Matlock. I auditioned so they would call me in all the time, and I'm actually glad that I didn't get any of the ones except the one I got because it was a two parter, and Don Knotts was in it. So no I got kidding. to work with Andy Griffith and Don Knotts. Like, oh, gosh, as old as the hills he was. But and he was just him and, and Andy Griffith were, you know, they were just so flirtatious with me. And, you know, <laughs> you know, and 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 um, Andy Griffith would would sit next to Don and he'd go, you know, be careful, Denise, because you know what they say about Don. He's really packing or, you know, I mean, oh they, were, they were they were jokes back then that didn't have the weight or gravitas that they would now, yeah. you know? And, um, but, but there, again, there was just this complete family. He was the one that, you know, he, he showed me how to juice vegetables. He's like, you want to have good skin forever. And the, the whole juicing craze had just started and he had a juicer in his trailer and, and brought one in the makeup trailer and would make sure people would have their juice. And, 
and that man, I mean, Andy Griffith, you know, at that, at his age, he took over that show. He never went down on a line. Whereas, you know, all the guest stars would like flip their lines and all they had are a couple pages to memorize. He had this entire script twice as old as anybody else and was just such a pro. So I, I was just glad that I was able to catch a good role on that before he moved on. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then I got to do a CSI Miami. And again, that was wonderful working with David Caruso. He was extremely complimentary. You know, I had a very, very emotional scene with him in an interrogation room. And, you know, they have to do the scene from many different takes. You know, they do it. They, they keep popping away a wall and put the camera there and then they shoot it from this person's point of view and then they put the wall back and turn the camera and then shoot the same scene from this per you know when you've got like three or four people sitting around a, a conference room um they just have to cover each one but you've got to keep doing it and every take i had i, I cried just because of the nature of the scene and and he was like wow you know you're you're, you're really very special i'm like oh gosh thank you well it's written very well and it's it's easy for me to connect to it and Anyway, that was going to be a just... question I was going to ask. When when you're doing something like that, where you're shooting the opposite, and you're, it's not your coverage, do you find it's easier to just stay in the moment or kind of phone in that energy? Oh, yeah. Oh, God, no, no. To me, it's the worst karma to phone it in. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, that's sort of, that's diva status, you know? And you, you hear of divas that, that will just do that. And, mm -hmm. and you know, and unless, you know, if, if their process is such that um, I can't, I can't give it because then I won't be able to give it for my close up. Um, I, I question that, you know, I, I feel um, like with anything, um, an actor can be able to repeatedly give a performance over and over again and and having just seen a, a, a uh, the play or the musical Dear Evan Hansen um, here in New York and then just recently seeing it again and now it just opened up in LA last week you know it's super effing emotional and Ben Platt two times a day sings his heart out cries his lungs out and and never says, you know, give me a few days, give me, you know, yeah. you, you just commit to it. So it's like big deal. Like if you have to say, if you have to give that speech 10 times, you give it 10 times because there's so many other jobs that you can go off and do and get paid a whole fuck of a lot less and work a whole hell of a lot harder uh, because you're trying to save some of your emotion. We have an unlimited amount of emotion. I and mean, there's people even a certain ask me, level of reciprocity that comes with giving for the person that you're working well, against, that, right? That's right. That's right. And that was the next thing I was going to say is that you're also a team and the better, the, the more real and the more that you give, the better that person's reaction will be, you know? Mm. And, and also like, because I, I, you know, as a director as well, I think of the editor, right. And I'm like, okay, what's going to cut good, right? Like I want, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm not on camera, I'm so much, I'm always in my head directing the actor, even though if I'm not directing the piece, obviously. But um, I, I did a, a movie called, um, oh gosh, I could look it up. Um, but it was with Angie Everhart mm -hmm. and um, uh, God, something, Queen of Hearts or something. And um, Angie Eber, Everhart, Everhart, oh, Everhart, yeah. 
So I was doing it. And um, the scene was, um, I come to the door and, um, and she's, I, I tell her that her brother had died. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she just, she had had a hard time reaching the emotion part on it. You know, and I understand that it can, things can get very chatty and fun on a set. And it, and it kind of makes it hard for you to just sort of stay focused to it. And um, uh, so I had a, um, when, uh, you know, and everyone was sort of laughing and I have to knock on the door. And I remembered looking down just before the take and I saw a lollipop stick, just like it was like a piece of trash that was on the porch of this set. Mm. And I looked at it and it immediately um, made me think of my daughter. And, and I just, I just pulled that in and just used that when I went to the door and because, and and it was on her close up too. Like I had been going through it, going through it on my close up, but now it was her close up and I wanted her to, to see real emotion, you know? Yeah. And, um, so it was just, that was important to me. Even when I was doing, um, in, uh, subspecies, um, when I went to the coffin, when I woke up in the very first scene of, of part two and I wake up and I get up out of that coffin and I walk and, um, and I, I, uh, hold the, uh, the stick. I go to pull the stick out of Stefan. Yes. Um, and, and I wasn't actually pulling it out of his body. Um, I was pulling it. There was a, a, a guy sitting on the floor, like a, a, you know, just this Romanian, dude sitting on the floor <laughs> holding the stick right and he's just sitting there looking up at me but i have to be full of emotion that the love of my life has been staked through his heart and is now nothing but brittle bones and dust but when i look down i see this cute little like you know semi toothless romanian set dude holding the stick for me as most of them and, are um, to be fair <laughs> <laughs> right well not now now there's a lot of more cosmetic uh advancements and um so as he was holding it um i looked down and i and i saw his wedding ring and and it mm. just sort of triggered how much i had missed my husband and being gone and and it just brought some love there you know but i will use whatever i have to because i want to make sure that that it's genuine but then i snap right out of it it's not something that that I, I, you have, that I have to hold on to. And that's really, um, you know, I, I prefer to work that way. I don't feel I have to really, you know, go out and, and experience a bunch of really awfulness um, and, and have it stay with me in real life and be a, a real bastard to live with, you know? Yeah. The, the, the fun comes from being able to turn it on, like, fully and then turn it off. It's just like wow. a faucet. And once it's, once it's yeah. going, it's, it's going to fall out, but you can turn that knob and then it's, it's like, there's not even a drop. Maybe there's a little drop, but you can wipe that That's away. That's right. That's exactly well put. Yep. Yep. And, uh-huh. you know, I, I want to talk about subspecies, obviously. Uh, you know, it's a horror podcast. Uh, so I definitely wanted to talk about subspecies and, you know, now's as good a place as any. Um, you, you come in. On the second film, uh, Laura, the actress who played Michelle before, had a really kind of traumatic experience. The The shoot was much longer than uh, it was intended to be. She also had children, and um, right. there was there was a big uh, 
to do at the hotel. Uh, Ted kind of told this story last week when I had him on the show. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I want to get, you know, kind of your take on, um, because this was intended to be, you know, subspecies two and three bloodstone and bloodlust, you know, kind of shooting concurrently in Romania. So you guys knew you were going to be there kind of for the long haul and you're, you're stepping into somebody else's role, which I know you also did in Frogtown too. Um, but <laughs> you're, you're, you're coming in, you're, you're having to. But we, now I will say we didn't know, we, just so you know, we didn't, uh, like me and Kevin and Melanie, we, we didn't know at this time, any of the drama from the last one. And I'm sure um, you kind of figured this stuff yeah. out as you guys were going along. Somebody's like, Ooh, oh, don't, oh. don't go to that hotel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, very, very little. I, I feel like from, you know, I learned more about it, believe it or not, when we came home and years later, I started to do some conventions with Ted. And after he wrote his Mr. Potato Head, is that what he called it? The Adventures of Mr. Potato Head or his diary. Um, yeah. The subspecies. His diary. Yeah. Um, you know, and we, we would get little, little bits between honest and, and, and Ted, but, uh, yeah, we, it, it, I didn't really get the extremeness of it until I came back. You know, I mean, I, I, we, we were dealing with our own things, obviously, which were not nearly what they had occur, you know, but we'd have things like, you know, a power outage or something and, you know, or the sheeps in, in the road, or there was no water and we had to, you know, cause it was being shipped from Germany, like drinking water mm-hmm. or, um, you know, just definitely third world, third world problems. Um, and, uh, but, but we didn't, you know, there was no, uh, like danger of like, there was no rape involved. There was no, uh, you know, poisoning or major injuries or, we, we pretty much, I, I feel like we were on schedule. I knew that, um, and, and to be honest, when I first got the part, I didn't know I was going to Romania. I thought that it, we were just going to be shooting it like at Paramount because I knew the other one that it was distributed by Paramount. Mm-hmm. So when I, when I found out that we were going to Romania, um, Kevin as well, we, we somehow thought we were going to Bucharest because we had heard, um, I'm sorry, uh, Budapest. Like in our heads, we, we heard Budapest because that, that was more of a mainstream place. And then when we found out, oh, wait, it's Bucharest. And so that kind of became our little line when something would happen like, well, you know, we, we don't have any drinking water. We're waiting for a couple of days or there is no electricity for, we we would just look at each other and say, well, it's Bucharest, not Budapest. (laughs) <laughs> and and that that was you know or like sitting in the van waiting for the shepherder to to herd his sheep his thousands and thousands of sheep out of the road and just sitting there and Kevin would look at me he'd go see that's Bucharest not Budapest <laughs> and, uh, glamorous life you know <laughs> that's right that's right you know the gas lines we'd have to wait on and um or or the very very skinny chickens, you know, like when we'd order food, it was like, oh, wow, this is, there's meat on here somewhere, you know. And, um, but again, it, it, it had just like, you know, Ceausescu literally just like the year and a half prior was had just been killed. So they were figuring out how to have their own freedom as a country. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, you know, they had, Ceausescu had banned all the art. And so now they were coming back and, you know, they, they took certain homes that were made just for the president and they turned them into theater schools. You know, they really did like a poetic FU to him, which I just thought was so admirable. But I do remember talking to one of the extras who soon after I had to bite her in her neck. But we did have a very nice time talking in the trailer and uh, before I had to go and, you know, kill her. ravage her, yeah. kill her. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I would say that to all of the Romanian girls or guys, you know, I would get to like really like just talk to them and be because it, it would be kind of scary, you know, like they didn't. They didn't do like vampire films out there. It wasn't really a thing. And, and, and it could be kind of horrifying. And I've got these fangs on. And so I would just really make sure to, uh, and they didn't watch that many movies of this kind of stuff. I mean, I think at the time I remembered there might have been like a, a billboard for some like Marlon Brando film or a Robert De Niro and, and Michelle Pfeiffer or something. But there weren't a lot of like horror films. So I would really get friendly with them before we would do the take. And this one particular actress said that she actually preferred it when it was more communistic because the government did government films that were funded by the government. And now that that wasn't the case, um, they would just rely on Romanians themselves to make films. And they weren't they weren't quite skilled in that yet. So the only films that were made there were were films from Germany or from America. So these actors, these really beautifully trained Romanian actors were getting relegated to these small extra parts, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it was just that was a, a fascinating thing to hear of like, wow, you know, like why someone would think communism is good, you know, and, and it's not. But it's, it's the proof that you take away somebody's creativity for long enough and just put everything on autopilot you go into this sort of apathy, you know, and the the town, it's, uh, the, the country was starting to now learn how do we do all this on our own? How do we be an entrepreneur? How do we make our own um, our own art, you know? So it was kind of exciting to be there, a part of that, which, you know, never, I wouldn't have ever had that opportunity. And, uh, you know, you, you guys, you do parts two and three, you you go back home, but then you come back yeah. for part four. How big of a yeah. difference is Romania for you in that time oh, period dude, they, between being away? They they have cell phones now. You know, I had a baby. I didn't have a kid at before. Now mm-hmm. I'm leaving my three year old daughter. Um, Romania was, uh, you know, a couple. Some of the crew members got teeth. You know, they didn't really have many, like, they had, like, <laughs> and when I say that, I, I mean, you know, they got, like, whatever, veneers. Or, yeah, no, I, know, I know what you mean. Braces, <laughs> but it was funnier, don't they? Um, like, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my God, you're so freaking handsome, you know? And um, the, the joy of dental work. Um, there, there was fast food, you know? There was Kentucky Fried Chicken, and I think Taco Bell. There were gypsies that didn't have a place to live, but they had their flip phones. Um, so that was very different and, um, yeah. And, you know, but I, I, I will say too that I had never done a film where we did, you know, both parts back to back. And what was sort of interesting for me on, on this particular thing is I wasn't just playing like 
whatever, Michelle, who's a regular girl who's going through situations in life. I was playing Michelle, a girl who basically is turning into, physically turning into a monster who will react differently um, depending at what stage of monsterness she's at. And so I would number my script as to what intensity of vampire I was at. You get that? Yeah. You yeah, you'd so spinal tap, take it to 11 when you needed to. Yeah, and, and it was kind of a, you know, yeah, like a whatever, a 1 to 11, <laughs> you know, like maybe script number 2, part uh -huh. 2, was like one, 1 through 5, and then 6 through 11 was part 3. Yeah. And so my, my scenes... Um, because we would do a scene uh, where I am, you know, taking the knife and I'm stabbing the heck out of Radu and and uh, and then we cut and we have bread, we have lunch. And then when we come back, we're doing, you know, instead of the scene, the continuing the scene from part three, we're going back to part two. And it's where I'm just sort of seeing him and I'm scared to death to even approach him. So th there was a real... Um, like, where am I at physiologically? Like, how has, is Michelle more human or is she more monster? Mm -hmm. And and that was a, kind of a, a, a different thing as an actress that I didn't, hadn't encountered before, you know? And it's got to be it's kind like, of exciting as, as a performer to have that kind of duality to play with, where you can be, you know... And the character absolutely evolves over the course of the films. And, um, again, I, I keep referencing the Ted conversation, but I had said that yeah, there's, he's cool. there's mm -hmm. a, a certain energy that you brought to the character Michelle that wasn't necessarily there in the first film, which is, again, no slight on Laura. It's just that, you know, you had, a bigger sandbox to play in. You guys were able to kind of flush totally. out um, who Michelle was and, you know, what her world is now and it, yeah. watching her humanity die, but her desperately grasping onto it. And, you know, it, it's, it's classic vampire lore. You, you look at a lot of, uh -huh. um, a lot of the vampire films that have really kind of stood the test of time. You know, it's not, necessarily about the fright it's about the humanity within these very inhumane situations and you do that through the course of the three films that you guys did uh where you get to see you know this relationship blossom with michelle and radu which is just completely unexpected but um again one of the things i had brought up is that there's these these dueling ideals that are at war over the course of uh, two and three, and it's you know love and family, and that you know the the ties to your family and the ties of this emotion that you're feeling are kind of at war with each other. The same with Radu and his mother and uh, his relationship with you, and then in the first one, you know, it's Michelle and Stefan and uh Radu and Stefan. You know, so there's there's these these wars that are going in, in place and I don't know if they were intentional, but it's just there's this you know, there's the ties that you have that you grow up with and the ties of what you want to be. 
And it, it's, a, it's almost like, you know, growing up, you know, you, you have to eventually separate yourself from your family environment to become the person that you are supposed to be. Um, yeah. And I, and I just feel like you really brilliantly executed that war or duality of, you know, who you were to who you are inevitably going to become. And it's, it's just, Aww. again, uh, just from a, an acting standpoint, it's, it's some of my, my favorite storytelling. Uh, and, you know, again, it's really due to the, the, the places that you go as an actress in, in the film. Um, when you go out hunting for the very first time and you're, you're letting, uh-huh. you know, the instinct take over, but then your humanity voices in, you know, and, and that's, yeah. that's, you know, great filmmaking, great performance. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's not overstated. It's, it's absolutely understated. And that to me is when it works the best. Wow. Wow. I mean, I, I wish you were there on my shoulder back in 1993 (laughs) out on the cold street in Bucharest. Not Budapest. (laughs) Not Budapest. (laughs) Telling me, well, fuck, we both should have been in Budapest. It would have been much more autistic and much better. Um, But I wish you could have been telling me that of just like, trust it, Denise, trust it. It's your, you know, because so much of that was the skillful work of Ted, you know, he, I, I would, um, the, it's like, okay, I'm ready. She, she can fight now. So go fight. But then he'd be like, okay, that I saw the fight, bring back the humanity. I'm like, well, how do I like, Oh, it, it was, it was so not easy to, to, to keep the, a bit of that. Well, to keep a bit of the mortal, or the, the, the mortal part of Michelle fighting with the immortal monster. And, and I just was, you know, I just would rely on Ted. I'm like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to do what I think. And you let me know how it, how it goes, because I sort of have to just, uh, you know, just go to some place that, that I can't think about. And, but I'm relying on someone else, an exterior viewpoint, looking at it going, did you believe that? You know, is that, and, and, and if it was a, you know, yes, great. And if it wasn't, then I would have to go back and go, okay, well, you know, is it, you know, do I need more salt? Well, I would always say, what do we need more peanut butter or more jelly, you know? Mm. And, um, uh, because it, it, it's, at, it comes to a point of like, it's, it's the director's vision of it. And I, uh, you know, you can, you can play something so many different ways, which is what's so great about, you know, about playing a monster, you know, she could be fully badass. She could be, you know, totally sweet or somewhere in between. And it was, it was Ted's navigation of where that somewhere in between is that really helped me to, to hit the, hit the moment. And it's just an observation. Just, I I, I keep cutting you off, but, um, no, no, I would, Hi, I'm Italian. I'll just keep talking. I would (laughs) go so far as to say that because you guys shot in that way, it allows for that character to feel like they're constantly at war with where they're evolving. And, um, oh, yeah. to take it a step further, Ted is kind of your Radu outside of the film. Yes. 
He's, he's your mentor. Yeah. He's leading you down this path and he's, he's helping facilitate this growth as a performer. No one, and, no one's ever noticed that. No one's ever noticed that or pointed that out. And I actually, like you, you brought back this feeling that I hadn't thought of until like the middle of shooting where I was like, Oh my God, that is what Ted is to the actress is what Radu was to Michelle. That's really freaking awesome of you. Well, uh, I'm doing all right. Then. Uh, I <laughs> yeah. want to, uh, before we get out of here, just kind of talk about photography. And uh, I know that that's something that is a passion of yours. It was a passion before you became an actress, but um, in the past few years, you've been, working kind of diligently to help the next wave of actresses with headshots. Please tell people um, some of the things that you've been doing with your photography, because I I've heard some things and I think it's really brilliant. And um, specifically I'm talking about um, having the actresses do their own makeup. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's a, um, well, certainly yes. In the world of, of acting, it is so important to um, to look like you, right? Mm-hmm. Now, we all know that through the, the, the skillful art of makeup artists, which you'll always have on any, you know, production of, of merit, but uh, when you walk in the door, you're walking in the door just as you and as the, the styling that you're going to give yourself for that audition. And, you know, I, I, um, I even worked as an agent for a couple of years um, and when I when I would see a, a, an actress walk in, I'm like, oh my gosh, wait a minute, your picture. I, I thought you were Hispanic, you, you know. And then this girl walks in with totally light skin and super light makeup, and whereas this girl looked like a real like dark featured Latin olive skin tone, and she'd be like, oh well, the makeup artist really like you know she wanted to put bronzer on me and do a lot of liner, and I was like, well you know I was paying her 150 bucks, so I just let her do it, and. And that was, that's something that it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help the casting directors. It doesn't help the agent. It doesn't help the, the person because they're showing up to something misrepresented. Now, there's a difference between showing the business side of you, showing the vulnerable side, showing the quirky Disney side. Mm-hmm. But, but your, your ethnicity and skin tone and the way you, you know, make your hair that all has to be within something that you can create. And, um, and so I'm, I really, you know, I, I do this thing. I use a little bit of my vampire powers when, when a client is, uh, I watch them in the mirror and I watch how they do their hair and makeup and you can see when they're happy with it, right? There's that confident little look, whether it's a guy just kind of tossing his hair. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I do, if I tweak something and then they look in the mirror and they go, do you like my hair this way? When somebody says that, what they're saying is, I don't like my hair this way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's right? like, I guess and if this is what you want. That's right. And, and they're the ones that are, um, they're the ones that are paying for this. So, so I feel there's this obligation that the person likes it because then they lean into it, right? They're going to commit to it. Let them wait until they get cast on something and they're getting paid and someone is on, you know, CBS's and If they don't like their, you know, their bun, their tight bun, then who cares? That's, they're getting paid to like it. Mm-hmm. But when you're paying someone 
for your repertoire of headshots, there's got to be that balance of the expertise that I know of this business and, and the types of looks they're looking for, but also you feeling comfortable and that it fits your vibe, you know? You kind of exude and, a different level of confidence when it's feels like your idea, would you say? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. The confidence in the picture is always what I go for. And um, and it's, it's, it's an odd thing to, you know, it, it obviously you have to have the right kind of busy to, or, or non-busy background. You know, you have to have the right sort of makeup. The clothing can't be too busy or too floppy. Um, and you need a good shallow depth of field so not everything is in focus. You know, you just want the person's face and eyes in focus. Mm-hmm. Um, you want good skin tone, not too pink, red, you know, and not all blown out, totally white. So there are certain technical things, but also whether the person is doing a, a scared look, a quirky um, bookworm look, or, you know, a come hither sexy badass look, there needs to be this confidence that they're com- like when you see Steve Carell, you know, and you see a billboard for him on the 40 year old virgin or something, he's making that dorky face. But it's there's a confidence. He's committing to that character, right? Like you fully, you know, he's not accidentally looking like a scared man. He is um, absolutely um, in control of that expression. Mm-hmm. You, you see what I mean? So that's something that that my my time as a director and you know being in front of the camera so much, why I can help my clients get to these really authentic expressions. And you just have to hit it for a moment you know, at least for the photo shoot, then, then you got to be able to hit it longer when you, you know, but, but, uh, I'm not an acting coach. That's something that's the other half of what they have to do. Um, so yes, it's, it's fun. It's like, I, I get to direct little mini movies with every photo shoot that I do. Even if I'm photo, you know, here in New York, I've been, I'll photograph like, you know, dentists or, you know, stockbrokers or lawyers because they want to have a nice Hollywood look to their pictures. You know, they want to be infused with that. You know, everybody wants to have a real, they want to look like a rock star, you know? And And uh, there's also, uh, sometimes when you put on a certain outfit, you, you get this feeling when you, when you put something on it, you just like, when I put on a tux, I automatically start assuming or feeling like James Bond. You know what I mean? It's, it's an energy that embraces being put in these situations and you create those moments for them to naturally yes. find their place. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Uh, you know, we just, we, we play dress up, we play make believe, you know, we, it's, um, the person doesn't necessarily, sometimes the direction is just raise your eyebrow, um, curl, you know, smirk your lip up a bit. Good. Put your chin down. All right. Eyes right at me. Boom. There it is. And someone will look at it and they'll be like, oh, you must have been thinking something really devilish. And the client's like, no, actually, Denise just told me to like raise my eyebrows to tilt my chin down. You know, so <laughs> yeah, it's like I don't really mind because it's just a photo, you know, and and I just need to know that the person that 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 outward expression conveys uh, some sort of a look or a personality that would potentially come up in a casting notice so that when the casting director or the, you know, casting agent or 
is looking for someone to embody that, they see that in that particular picture. And then it's up to the person to be able to get there through the script and how it's written. So, so it's super fun for me and I try and keep it, you know, light and fun. And that's always what clients say when they leave, they're like, Oh my God, I, I didn't even realize we were doing a photo shoot. I feel like, you know, you had a camera and we got to know each other and now it's done. (laughs) I, I, I have one more thing I want to bring up and then I'm going to let you go. But I, whenever I, whenever I hear some, or read something like this, I just, I have to, I have to point it out for anybody that's listening because people are going to be listening to this because, you know, you were Michelle and subspecies. I, I'm not going to, you know, I, I have a horror show. So that's, that's what people are listening for. But I try to highlight things that I think are absolutely fucking amazing. And, uh, you do something that I think is absolutely amazing. You have donated your time as a photographer to help with things like Hurricane Katrina and with the issue in Haiti. Um, I just, I think that's wonderful. And I, and I want you to just kind of, uh, tell people about that if you could. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I, I, I went out with, um, uh, I worked with the Red Cross and the volunteer ministers, and I actually, I, my camera was sort of a side, um, you know, I brought it, but but my, what I was, um, you know, asked to do, because I volunteered at certain, just smaller, smaller disasters in L.A. with the volunteer ministers, um, when Haiti first, when that, no, when Katrina, when that first hit, um, there were donations to an airplane to send people over, and I was like, I, I have to go. And so I worked with uh, with the Red Cross. We were the only organization between the, the yellow-shirted volu- volunteer ministers and the Red Cross that were allowed inside New Orleans um, next to the military. Mm-hmm. So I I was doing you know helping cert- doing certain body assists for them. I was helping with the hepatitis C shots. Um, then I went to Baton Rouge and worked in the shelter. And when people would come up, um, I would. Take, I would go into the back room of the shelter where we would pick out a sheet and a toothbrush and shampoo and a pillow and a cot and then take that displaced person and walk around this giant stadium and find a, a, four, a four foot by nine foot section for he or she to live for Lord knows how long and keeping a real fun attitude with that. Then when lunchtime was, would come, I, I uh, was like on the drink line and um you know, like I, I was kind of the, the ice Nazi a bit because we weren't allowed to give them the ice. But I would but, but people would come to me and I, they would come with their cups and I would sneak ice in it because it was so hot out. And, um, you know, and, and these Red Cross volunteers would come over and they'd whisper to me. They're like, you know, we really love working with you. And, and I'm like, well, thank you. I said, it's because I ain't getting paid to do this. You know, yeah. I've paid money to do this. And uh, and then when Haiti happened, I, I hopped on a plane and and that was super tough. That was sleeping, you know, in a sleeping bag on the ground of the airport right next to the military, you know, and I would just shower with a bucket of water. It's amazing how little water you need to actually shower. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we'd go to the different orphanages and I worked with some physical therapists and doctors and we would, um, you know, do we would uh, get diapers. We would do um whatever, give out different medicines, like just simple things, like they had migraines. So we give them, you know, Tylenol, we would do head lice check and give them uh, creams for the head lice. And, um, 
there were times where uh, I was sort of in charge of playing with the children while the actual trained doctors were doing medical checkups. So there's like video footage of me blowing up medical balloons and making water balloons out of them and playing them with the kids in the tent cities. And I'll tell you, like, nothing actually feeds my soul more than that. I, I, I was just looking at some of that old footage just two days ago, and I started sending some to a girl I was with. And we both texted back and forth. We were like, look at how fucking happy we were. Yeah. Like, we were sweaty and dirty, and we were never more happy. And it's fun to be on a movie set, but it's fucking incomparable to being in a disaster place where you are, you are so needed, like people without legs. Are, are needing me to help get them food and, and running over to, you know, where I could get food and feeding them because their arm is crushed off and they just have two nubs, yeah. you know, like that's, that's where you feel like you really can make a difference. Now, obviously, you know, the, we have a lot of, you know, we still need the arts and entertainment all the time. Like that's what is to me, you know, more than politics, we need arts and entertainment. Um, but I, I have certainly found this this calling in me where um, doing that kind of first responder work is it just it fits me like a glove. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to get dirty. There's nothing or no one who I, I cringe at. Um, I, I gave birth to my own daughter at home in my bedroom, you know, Jesus, <laughs> with, with like, a, like a bathtub or. I did it on my bed. You know, I had the voice of Bart Simpson. Nancy Cartwright was one of my birth coaches. Really? I had Michelle, Michelle Stafford, you know, two-time Emmy Award winner on Young and Restless and, and uh, Days of Our Lives. She was my best friend and she was there. And Famous swearer. And Yes. Oh, yes. And then Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Spiritus, Kevin from Subspecies. He was there, too. In fact, he went on to be a doctor on Days of Our Lives. And when people said, are you really a doctor? He's like, no, but I did help my friend deliver her baby. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of brave or fearless, I guess. But, uh, but I just love humanity, really, at the end of the day, you know. So I... I and I love doing this. I, I love your care in, in researching who you interview and, and you know so much. And, and it's very, very impressive. I felt very, I felt very well taken care of on this. <laughs> what a relief. I was worried that you were going to drain me. <laughs> so, uh, and speaking of draining, um, not that this is a draining <laughs> back subject. To blood. Uh, back to the blood. Uh, also mentioned this, uh, in the Ted interview, you do not look like you have aged a day. Oh, are it's you crazy, really right? a vampire? I, yes, that's, you know, I haven't had a facelift. I haven't done any filler. I did try Botox a couple of times on the forehead. That shit's weird. Um, but, uh, you know, my face cream in your face cream, I've been wearing that for cream, six years yeah. and decided to go public with it. It's called in your and, um, you know, I do eat well. I mean, yes, uh, if you follow me, you know, I enjoy pizza every now and then and, you know, a pop tart when I uh, get picked up from the airport. Um, but I just try to, uh, to eat food that doesn't come in packaged bags that has mascots and commercials for it. <laughs> awesome. Uh, <laughs> reason I'm saying this is, uh, I, I pushed Ted a little bit during 
my conversation with him, and now it's my turn to push you. I really yeah. want you guys to make Subspecies 5. I really, oh, really want this to happen. And uh, I was saying it to him, and I'm going to say it to you, because, again, you have a social media reach, like, very few. And I think that crowdfunding is the way to go to make Subspecies 5 happen. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm, I'm saying it to him, now I'm saying it to you. I really think that this is the way to go. I think that with the technology coming the way that it's come uh, since the last subspecies with things like, you know, drones and, um, you know, the red cameras and things of that nature, it's a little bit more cost effective to make something like a subspecies. Obviously, there's a lot of finances that will come into play with making it, but I really think that it, it's time and i think that with- it's true i think about it every day dude i think about it every day and and i i uh you know i'd love to be the one to sort of spearhead it but there's so much involved in it that that it, it can't be me it can't be the actress who's not going to you know I'm, I'm, I'm not the production company, you mm-hmm. know, but, but dude, I, 100%. I mean, every convention I have gone to in the last 10 years is like, we'll donate something to it. Yeah. You know? There's an audience and, that's and, wanting this. And I really right. think, you know, if, if you're willing and Ted's willing and honest is willing and Charlie is willing that you guys could really do this. And I, and I really think that it's, it's a, a voice thing it's it's a social media platform just waiting to happen puppet master just came back halloween just came back you know and Mm -hmm. and the audience is saying we want this so i just i i would have felt bad if we had this entire conversation and i did not say that so everybody heard her say she's willing to help with the crowdfunding right (laughs) We we all heard uh, it. <laughs> yes, well that that will be like once they they you know we've done I've done so many little movies when when the three of us or the four of us have gotten together me and Ted and I where I've made a little movie saying okay you know we are here and we want to get subspecies five done it's been written it's amazing like I have the little clips to put on the crowdfunding video page but. It's just needing someone who has just a little more time on their hand to uh, to kind of figure out the, the the logistics of it, you know, mm-hmm. because we also don't want to do all this and then have, you know, whatever, have some producer kind of take it all. And we don't know where the money goes because, you know, none of us are going to get rich on it. We just want to make sure that we that it's on screen, because when the first three were done or first four, uh, well, certainly the first three had Paramount Pictures putting in a million or two million. Mm-hmm. So it 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 had that kind of production value to it. Now, these days with video, we don't need that kind of money, but we still need something, uh, you know, uh, something more than what Charlie is doing films for now to uphold the standard of subspecies and to do it in that kind of location. And because it takes place as a prequel, in like the dark ages where there'll be like swords and horses and, you know, vintage costumes, it's going to need, you know, a few bucks. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, whatever. Uh, I don't know if, if 
whatever, a half a million or something, you know, or 400,000, you know, it's not, it's not huge. It's not the 2 million of the other one. And I, I do, I do feel that crowdfunding absolutely uh, can bring on people and we could make it super fun and they can come out, you know, we'll have the greatest video zone ever. Yes. So, Perfect. But, so, excellent. you know, it, it, it's just, it's just people like you saying something to Charlie, to the full moon page, yeah. you know, like, when are we going to start that crowdfunding page? Hello. Hello. You know? Yeah. <laughs> hey. Anybody here? Yeah. <laughs> Let's do this. The quicker we do it, the quicker we do it, the more time we'll have to do it. And then the burden of a bunch of cash for each person won't be as deep, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, uh, yeah. And then, then the little prizes and fun things that we can do will be just phenomenal. So I'm, I'm all about that. Well, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to start letting you go, but before you get out of here, please tell people where they could find you in the world of social media if they don't already follow you. Uh, well, it's pretty easy. Denise Duff with a C, D-E-N-I-C-E-D-U-F-F. Um, that's my Facebook. That's my Instagram. Um, that's my Twitter. And, uh, DeniseDuff.com is my website. Um, if you're interested in some, uh, a jar of luscious skin cream, either for yourself or your woman, um, Lots of dudes love it. It's called InYourFaceCream.com, 100% natural with some crazy-ass, amazing, plumping qualities. Uh, I will attest to it. So there you go. And like I said, I, I, she has so, an age today. <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. Dude, thank you. Yeah, I, I uh, you know, have not gone under the knife yet, and, and I'm, I'm holding out, you know. Uh, the fact that I'm playing myself in part five, fortunately, I'm playing a pre-incarnated version of Michelle. Therefore, I don't have to still look like the, you know, whatever, 25-year-old self <laughs> from back then. Um, but uh, but I want to get it. I want to do it sooner than later. So, yes, I'm... Uh, anything I can do to help on that, any bright ideas you have, but really, I think it's just, it's just pounding uh, the wonderful Charlie Bann and his team to just just to get the ball rolling. That's all we need. I just think it's just just a start, and then this thing is going to take it, get its own legs, its own fangs. Its own fangs. Well played. Uh, if you guys mm -hmm. are here just for Denise, which I absolutely don't blame you, but you've enjoyed the conversation, first of all, thank you. Want to find out more? You can do that in a couple of different ways. You can start by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash creature pod by following us on Twitter and Instagram at creature pod. Uh, very much like Denise branding. <laughs> uh, but that is going to do it for us, you guys. This has been just a thrill and a half. Can you say fuck one more time before we get out of here? No, don't say that to me. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that is going to do it for us. So for Denise Duff, a.k.a. D-Nice, and for myself, again, my name is Chunky. This has been another episode of the Creature Features Podcast on GeeksOfTheIndustry.com, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Listen with someone you trust. <laughs>